Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. Speaking of lights, I'm at the Living Light Center with the legendary Frank Kopeters. We're going to talk to him about his book and everything that he's about. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That's bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil on the market, available for purchase. Why is that? The reason is that the extraction process, how they extract the CBD from the hemp to put in the oil is a method called the HIT extraction method. It was developed by Howard HIT, a.k.a. Big H, and no other company that produces CBD products has this proprietary method. It's the only company. There's no chemicals, no solvents, No gases are involved in the extraction process of extracting that CBD from the hemp. It is a 100% natural process. And speaking of 100%, it's 100% organic. And the hemp the CBD is derived from is 100% organic, Oregon-grown hemp. The best hemp probably in the world. Haven't seen all the hemp in the world, so I can't honestly say that part. But it is incredibly high quality organic hemp that he's using to extract the CBD that he's putting in his product. And we do have a midnight on earth blue Cobra CBD discount code. You put that in the box when you check out and you will receive free shipping on any order. One bottle, 10 bottles, a hundred bottles, a million. Well, maybe not a million bottles. (laughs) Actually, you never know. Talk to Howard about that. The discount code is M-I-D-C-B-D, that's M-I-D-C-B-D, and like I said, that will get you free shipping on any order. I take Blue Cobra CBD daily, I put it in my morning breakfast shake, and it helps me maintain my sanity in this wild and strange world, so there you go, that's my personal testimony. And with the Blue Cobra CBD oil, there is a money-back guarantee. So if you are not satisfied with the product, if for some reason it doesn't work for you, which, I mean, give it to me. <laughs> or I'll, I'll happily take it. Or you can give it to someone else. They would probably benefit. So if for some reason it doesn't work for you, don't like it. I don't know why. You get all your money back, including shipping, and you don't have to send the bottle back. Like I said, give it to someone else. So please go to bluecobracbd.com and check out that product again one more time. That's bluecobracbd.com. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address. You go there, click the button that connects us, and then you'll know when the next episode drops or whatever we're up to. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, again, click that 
button that connects us and you get the up-to-date information. Most importantly, of course, is please tell a friend. Tell someone that you know that wants to hear about these interesting topics that we talk about. We talk about so many incredible things. You want them to find out about this. You have to tell them about this. Midnightonearth.com. All right, so I got that out of the way. And now we're going to talk to Frank Kopeters. But first, as always, we have to read his bio. Frank Kopeters is a spiritual teacher, shaman, and energetic healer. He was trained by various shamans and spiritual teachers and has been teaching internationally since 1988. He was born in 1950 in the historical city of Ghent in the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium, the middle child of three brothers. At the age of four, he had a near-death experience, which sent his path to become a mystic later in life, and a really cool guy. Frank was teaching literature and theater at the University of Antwerp in his 20s when he met the Hungarian shaman Juska Sus. He was initiated by him on the shamanic path and would continue to receive instruction almost until Yuska's death in 2008. In 1985, Frank immigrated to the U.S. and settled in Portland, Oregon with his wife, Kathy Melcher. They met at the Osho community where Frank lived for two years. It was the next year that he started the Living Light Center. In 1989, he was initiated as a Reiki master by Phil Morgan in the traditional Usui Shiki Ryoho system as taught by Phyllis Furumoto and Paul Mitchell and has been teaching Reiki classes in the USA, Belgium, France, and England. Frank works as an intuitive counselor, shaman, and Reiki practitioner and always focuses on the empowerment of his clients and students. Frank has taught and trained together with his wife, Kathy, countless people in the United States, Europe, and beyond. He has been a teacher with the East-West Center since 1996, and Kathy has joined him since several years now to their delight and the delight of many others. In his career, Frank has worked with shamans in Peru, Indonesia, Bhutan, and Poland, and has practiced over 45 years of daily meditation. I'm not even 45 years old yet. And he's here with us today by the grace of all the divine beings. Frank Co-Peters, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jake, for such a wonderful introduction. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. If you've been listening uh, to the podcast for a long time or you're a new listener that has looked back in the previous episodes, Frank was with us all the way back in episode two. He was nice enough and gracious enough to grant us an interview. And, and it's been one that's been continually uh, growing. People constantly listen to it and they're going to love this one. Thank you for being here, Frank. My pleasure. My pleasure. So we're here to talk about your life, your book. You're moving out of the country very soon. You're going back to Belgium. And now you have to kind of close off your life here in the U.S. So thankfully, we get to do this interview one more time here in the U.S. Next time, we'll, it might be Zoom or a different method, but we get to do this interview one last time. I'm super grateful for it. But let's talk about 
where we are right now. Your book, you talk about getting information from channeled beings, 13 masters, and others, not just really the 13 masters. You've interacted with other channeled beings. When did this first start to begin in your life, that aspect? Yeah, it happened in in various uh, steps, I would say. But the most spectacular meeting that I had was in London with a medium called Eileen Dan, who had been a medium for, I don't know, maybe 30 years prior to me meeting her. And so she goes totally unconscious as she is channeling. She didn't know me from Adam. And she revealed a life of me in biblical times as a shamanic advisor to Joseph of Arimathea, whom I had never heard of really. And at the end of her channel, it was about an hour, she asked me, she said, there is a master here, Frank. Would you be willing to bring through the teachings of this astral being? And, I, you know, I got the shivers because I knew it was a, a very, very meaningful question and decision. And so I said, yes, I will. And I knew by saying that, that my life was going to take yet another, another direction, and it has. And so I came back to Portland, and I asked three close friends, you know, I said yes to doing this channeled meditations. Would you help me? And they said, sure. So I think it took about half a year before the first meaningful messages started to come through. And then the next step was Mount Shasta. I'm sure you've been there. Yes. Great spiritual place. place. Yeah. And beautiful. And very beautiful. And I feel that the veil between the dimensions is very, very thin there. Yes. There's been a lot of UFO sightings there and other spiritual experiences. The first channeled book ever written supposedly uh, is uh, concerning Atlantis is from someone that received the information at Mount Shasta even. Yes. Yes. And the energy of St. Germain is very strong there as well which, you know, is one of my, my connections. So in the morning, before breakfast, it was just me, my wife, Kathy, and our very good friends, Joe and Cynthia. And unfortunately, in those days, I wasn't recording anything. But I started speaking. It was my voice. I was very conscious as Frank. It's not like I went away someplace. But words would come. They were very encouraging words. They were about the changes that were about to happen on the planet, climate-wise, the shift in consciousness. And most messages, actually all of them, were uplifting, very high frequency. The words were grammatically correct. And we weren't exactly stoned afterwards, the four of us, but we were in a deep, deep meditation. And then we had breakfast, and we were not sure where this was going. But I, I have to ask you, Frank, so the words were coming. So were you feeling the words? Were the words audible in a sense that like your, your inner dialogue, your inner voice? How would you describe that aspect? Yeah, that's a good question. I think they kind of dropped into my crown chakra. And so for just a very brief moment me as Frank would kind of check them out to see if they made sense. 
and I would speak him. Um, it's not necessarily hearing with the ears. Right. Yeah. It was almost sensing from the heart. So you're feeling the words. That would yes. be a good way. You're feeling yes. the words yes. and you know that you can collect that feeling into some kind of verbal response and, and say the words. Exactly. And I was speaking them out to the four of us. So including wow. me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I wasn't exactly nervous. They came with a, a sweetness and with a certain authority. That was interesting about, about those days. So what were some of the things that they were saying? Well, you know, that's why I so regret, except what I just said, you know, it was quite a bit was about the changes taking place on the earth and to alert people that these were very auspicious times, difficult times, uh. and that many had to be aware and get ready. And so I was sort of a messenger to help with that. Okay, but but not having the recording devices and everything couldn't actually fully get everything down. I get it. Okay, I know. So I know. That's okay. Yeah, the concepts came through. Yes, uh, they did. It, pretty much what you yes. said is the culmination of what they wanted you to say. Yes. it seems like, and that does seem to coalesce with everyone else's message right now. There's these different sectors of thinking, new age thinking, Christian thinking, other religions thinking, but they all seem to be coalescing in this concept of we're coming into this new earth, this new world, and it's going to be amazing. But we have this growth process, but it's definitely happening. I, I'm literally, you look at the different guests on the show and they're from different areas, but they're all saying the same thing. What do you think about that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, these are extremely exciting times and it's also a time for unity. I mean, you mentioned, you know, different verbiage, different traditions, but really the message itself is the same. Wake yes. up, wake yeah. up humanity. Love each other. Love each other. Yeah. Don't live in separation anymore love each other yeah we are all one is is the underlying message yes well i think really it gets down to understanding that we are light beings in a physical body we have to make that common understanding because it seems abstract or you would almost say deep spirituality right that's not necessarily something they would tell you at the basic church you might go to right away you know, maybe if you went to like a Hindu temple or, you know, some certain religions, uh, but, or spiritual thinkings, but not really in the mainstream thinking or even people that are not religious, but spiritual, it, they still don't in the common sense grasp that we are these light beings. But if we did have that common understanding, that I think is where we can unite because that truly is our common ground because whatever vehicle we're driving, whatever color our skin happens to be wherever our ancestors happen to be from uh on earth <laughs> through hundreds or thousands of years it's going to be different for each person for the most part but the one thing the one thing that unites us no matter what is the fact that we're all light beings and that's where we have to find our commonality if we can build from there that's how we start to initiate the new earth that everybody's talking about Beautiful, Jake. I couldn't have put it in a better way, you know. And it is happening step by step. Yes. It really is happening. Yes, and there's been long-term growth. If you, I mean, 
I'm not sure how you could perceive that, but from human linear time, the last 50 years of spiritual growth has been exponential. And what was considered uh, strange or extremely abstract is now incredibly mainstream. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is very few people that I have met in the course of my teachings who are closed to this. On the contrary, it's like people want more and they always feel better when they open themselves to the message as the way you just formulated that. But what is the source of the channeling? Where is this information coming from? Is it always just divine energy, but are, or are there intermediary levels like angels? Some people talk about Pleiadians. A lot of our guests actually talk about channeling Pleiadians. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm sure that there are channelings happening on many, many different levels. Um, even within my own channelings, if that's the, the right way to use, because they're, they're almost like guided meditations slash channelings. But sometimes it feels very angelic. Sometimes there is like a shamanic presence that comes very earth-connected or star-connected. And to tell you the truth, I myself, I wouldn't know necessarily if it's like one entity or a bunch of entities, or maybe I'm, I'm tapping into the inner teacher of the people that I'm with, you know? Right. It's... Um, I'm in a way I'm almost happy that I don't know exactly what it is or, yeah. <laughs> or what, because it keeps it open. Right. But yeah. what do you think about then just to take it a step back and, and what do you think about just the Pleiadian concept where there's different galaxies with highly advanced, extremely advanced beings that can transcend their physical body and interact with us on an energetic scale and even come through certain humans. Do you think that's a potential or are you just keeping an open mind about that? What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I think that's a total potential, total potential. I mean, even now, and I talk about some of these in my book, you know, there are beings, say Mother Mira, you know, who, who says she's never been on earth before. And I don't think she would make that up if that were not her felt reality. And when you see her at work or you see Ama at work, it's almost non-human. Say, when you think about Ama, you know, on occasion, she will be hugging people nonstop for about 20 hours. Right, right. How do you do that? How do you possibly do that? You know? Where does the energy come from? Where does the energy come from? Mother Mira, in COVID times has been every day she just she does a zoom channeling of energy of about an hour and 20 minutes every single day wow you know so so already within the say the humanoid family we have these exceptional beings where you wonder who are they what are they where did their spirit come from exactly and and of <laughs> Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it's pretty obvious, isn't I mean, Jake, when you think of it, the thought that only planet Earth would have, I mean, would have intelligence it's, of it. It's beyond insane. It's, it's right. just, it's mathematically illogical. Right. It's like literally in the, in the most scientific sense. It's, it's illogical. Spiritually, 
it's illogical. You look up. I mean, there's right. as above, so below. Think about the infinite amount of life that's just on earth. And you think of the microbes, the insects, the birds, the animals, sea life. It's astounding if you were to catalog each individual one. And, and that is how life is outside of this planet out in the universe. There's just that much life out there. Yes. Even more advanced than us. That's right. That's right. And so even that, you know, even that thought that you and I are talking about now has become much more obvious to millions and millions and millions yes. of people. Yeah. You know? I mean, when I was a kid, if I had said that or if I had heard that, I don't know what my parents would have done. They would have said, Frank, is something wrong with you? Do you have the flu? Are you, have you been sleeping? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. Or are you, what's wrong? Did you eat some bad food? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's really, it, we have progressed and we've opened up to this consciousness, but hasn't spiritual people and gurus throughout history been telling us that there's extraterrestrial life, that there's infinite life out there? Well, I, I'm not a scholar of that, but I do remember my own, my own teacher, Yoska Sosh, he would say to me on occasion, you know, he wouldn't make like a big deal about it, but he would say, Frank, you are connected to ETs. Wow. No yeah. way. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he would say that. And he himself, he had very distinct memories of a life he had um, on a particular uh, star system. Wow. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. And for him, that would be matter of fact. Of course, no. I mean, yeah. plus with his birth, we can talk about that in a minute, but what else did he say? Well, not much, ex oh, okay. ex except that he remembered it. Oh, wow. Because yeah. in your book, you talk about how the person that you studied under, Yuska Seuss, he had what is called an in-call birth, E-N-C-A-U-L. Right. And that means you're born with either still in the embryonic sac or yes. with some remnant of that. His whole face had a sheath over it. They had to have surgically removed and you said in your book that that allows certain aspects of your brain to retain that psychic awareness? Yeah, people who are born in that way, and native, native cultures are very much aware of that, they have paranormal uh, abilities. Right. right. And he was the last line, the last in the line of a true ancient European Hungarian shamans. Yes, the lineage of the Bakshi. The Bakshi, and he, yeah. because of that birth, he attracted the Bakshi and they noticed his energy and they initiated him. And he was the last one you were thinking that may have been initiated. I think he was probably the last one of the Bakshi lineage. Yes. And, and of course he, uh, I think I speak about that in my book, but at nine, at nine, he had a completely cosmic experience where he saw the structure of the Milky Way Whoa. and he was different afterwards. He really was. Wow. Yeah. So he got behind the matter and just experienced that divine dimension. Yes, he got behind the veil. He really did. He did. He, he did, yeah. It's mind-blowing because you look at the picture of him in the book, you, you can pick up a frequency from it. His paintings are incredible. There's this book that we're talking about, Unity and Everything That Is, that Frank wrote. There's 33 paintings from Yuska in there. I'm looking at some of the actual mm -hmm. ones that are featured in the book, and they're stunning. Mm -hmm. They're stunning. Everything he's done is stunning. And you can tell that he's tapped into that dimension. Yes, he actually, he saw clairvoyantly the light beings and the sound beings. 
And so in many of his paintings, he is transmitting what he is perceiving. Oh my gosh. So he's behind the veil and he's able to take pictures. He's got a camera. He's got a mental camera and he's taking pictures for us. And he's bringing those pictures back and saying, behind all this is light. Beautiful. That's a great way way of putting it. Yeah. Well, a cool thing about Yuska is that this year he would have been a hundred years old. Oh, that's right. I never thought about that. And it's amazing. So happy. uh, I don't know his exact birthday, but he was born in 1921. So happy 100th Yuska, wherever you are now. (laughs) Beautiful. That's so (laughs) sweet. That's so sweet. Well, and then he was initiated and you did talk about uh, in your book, the concept of initiation and how initiation is door of the unknown being opened and that the door of the unknown is open. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So this has been happening as far as we know on earth in, in the old mystery schools, you know, in Tibet, Greece, India, that some knowledge that's not really mind based, linear mind based, but is energetically based that the student would be prepared because it's a big, big shift in the system when that door is opened. And so um, in Yoshka's case, of course, it was uh, happened very, very early on, you know, at nine. Yeah. Personally, I think my near-death experience was also an initiation, even though at the time I had... Right. I talked could, about that. Yeah, right. Well... Yeah, I I was in between this realm and another realm, I think for about two and a half days. And I do have some memories about that. And the most peculiar thing for me was that I could see that the grown-ups, including my parents, were extremely concerned that I might die. But I knew that was not going to happen. And that was an interesting uh perception actually what is it that i see that they don't know and it was not in a critical kind of sense you know that they're stupid no no it was ha and then when i came out of that experience i was a little different too in the sense something has been shown to me and i'd better not talk about this yeah. It was a frequency shift. It was you, a, fre- yes. You had yes, a frequency yes. shift. You had that experience and you're now, you changed your personal radio station. You're now integrating those higher frequencies and you're something else. And that's what Yuska did. You did that at four with your near death experience. Yuska did that starting at nine, but he's probably had way more experiences after that even. Oh, absolutely. And of course you mentioned his birth, you know, so something very special took place for him at birth, Right. The, the Ankal. Yes, the Ankal birth, yeah. like we were talking about. Yeah, right. And and I think I mentioned in my book, you know, Freud was one of those who, who was born that way. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, wow, that's amazing. So in native cultures, when the elders would see that, they would train that boy or girl to be the shaman of the tribe. Right. They knew that was the indicator. Yes. From the divine that this person was blessed in that way. That's right. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're more special or even that you personally couldn't get there as wherever you're at in your development. It just means that they, their talents, their gifts happen to lie in that world. Right, right. So, yes, that's right. Not better, but better equipped to become, say, a medicine person, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. do people sometimes get refused initiation? Like they start to go through the initiation process maybe and they don't want to be a part of that dimension or maybe they're deemed unworthy or is it in a sense that once you are getting that cosmic initiation, you're already, you've already, you're already there. You just still have to go through it. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think that we do have, you know, free will in a sense. Like when I, in that session with the medium in London, I felt that I could say no, but I didn't want to say no. Um, I'm thinking, I don't know if you know the, the shaman uh, Malidoma Somme from... from um, no, unfortunately. Um, he's from Burkina Faso. Uh, the old Ivory Coast. But what happened to him, I think he was five or six or something, but his, his father was a Christian, and so the Jesuits actually kidnapped the boy. Oh, right, yeah. Remember, remember yes. that? Yes. yes. And so when finally he escaped, when he was uh, in his late teens and came back to his village where only his mom recognized him, the elders prepared him for months to initiate him because if he had not been initiated he would never have become a full adult man in their tribe in the, that's right yes. in in their tribe exactly right because and it's super important but there is so you're there's different types of initiation there's societal initiation cultural initiation but there is also cosmic and divine in, initiation which is where the mystery schools come into play. And, and even beyond the mystery schools, there's initiations that could just come directly from the divine. Absolutely. There are spontaneous initiations, no doubt. Like, hey, tell me about that. Well, let's think uh, about R Ramana Maharshi, right? He's 15. He's at home. All of a sudden, he has the very strong intuition he's going to die. He panics for just a moment, and then he surrenders to the process. He lies down on the floor. He feels his body is getting cold. Out of somewhere, the question arises, what is dying? And he realizes that his body may be dying, but what he really is as consciousness is not. When this process is finished, maybe takes half hour or so, he is no longer the conditioned 15-year-old boy. He is uh, initiated consciousness. <sighs> and later becomes this amazing teacher for, for millions of people, really, and is still around as consciousness, right? Wow, that's fascinating. You know, Isn't we were, it? Yeah. We were just talking in a previous episode where ancient judo masters would, when you reached a certain level, they would initiate you by stopping your heart they had a technique to stop your heart so you would truly die and then they had another technique to restart your heart so then when you came back you had that knowledge of being in that dimension and knowing that you're not your body see that's amazing isn't it that it's is mind-blowing <laughs> it is it is <laughs> humans we figured all this stuff out like who, who was the test guy like who was testing out the techniques until they got it down <laughs> Right, and, and why is science not even more interested in that, right? In the human potential. Ah, uh, because... It's an amazing human potential. We're getting there. Yes. 
Yes. Science and spirituality are intersecting in places like quantum physics and other places. It's happening, but there is this wall, this barrier with science that says, I can figure it out. I don't need that divine information. I have the scientific method. I have matter. I can test matter. And they have these walls. They're saying, I can figure it out. And when I do, and I can produce results, this is the only answer. Why? Because I can produce results that are measurable. So this means that this is the only answer. That's unfortunate. Well, well, it is, it is. And that being said, uh, you know, you mentioned quantum physics. I mean, spirituality and science are also starting to overlap more and more. And there is the, you know, the famous um, non-duality uh, science conference every year now. So it's, it's growing. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that is kind of, it seems like where this new earth that we're building, mm-hmm. where we're going is the integration of science and spirituality. We have the incredible technology that came from inspiration. You know, we asked for it. We got it, right? So it came from inspiration. We have this incredible technology, but we also have the incredible spiritual awareness coalescing into this new human. I think that that's part of the new earth because a lot of spiritual people are turned off by technology. Some sectors of spirituality will even say that technology is Luciferian and, you know, which I don't agree with, but it truly, when you understand that everything's divine, then you can integrate that and, and make that into a more spiritual experience. How can we have these zoom meetings? How can we connect around the world instantly? It's all through technology and we have to realize that it's neutral and it, it, it did come from inspiration. But what do you think about that? What do you think about the new earth that's coming? I think the new earth is here. It's, it's here. It's here. Yes, actually, here. you did talk about that. It's a new state of consciousness already available on earth. Absolutely. And one doesn't have to be privileged, you know, to have access to it. I think if you're interested and if you're willing to think out of the box and feel out of the box and apply yourself, there is a response from the universe to that yearning. And that's the beauty of it, you know. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is very, very welcome. So it's here now. It's a frequency. It's an energy. And as soon as you allow yourself to let go of potentially previous conditioning or just bad habits or whatever is holding you back, then, then it's instantly available to you. And you start to change your habits, you open up and that energy is instantly available to you and then you grow even more. That's true. Now, that being said, it is somewhat challenging to the fear-based condition system to open itself because you cannot stop the changes once they have started. So many things that felt comfortable and safe will now be challenged. Like, will you stay in this particular job if if it's a job that's not really respecting the earth, for instance, you know? Are you staying in a dysfunctional relationship? Are you going to continue to rape the earth? Is that going to be what you're here for? So all these things all of a sudden are put into question, which can be very, very challenging to go through. So then people, in the face of that, maybe from their perspective, insurmountable challenge, they retreat back into their old life, the old habits, the old paradigms, 
and the easy way. They take the easy way, the comfortable way. Right. So very often, you know, it's a back and forth, you know, that you, you taste something, it really intrigues you, you want to pursue it, then you fall back a bit. And then yeah. the next step and so on, right? Until it's fully integrated and that you couldn't even think of ever going back to the old ways because now you you know how great the new earth, the quality of the new earth is. Well, it feels like, like you said, it is available to us now and it feels like that in that time when it's existing, that energy seems to be pushing back through the time stream like you can feel it here on earth in present time but also this future time where they're thinking about us remembering us remembering that ancient time when people were still in spiritual and personal bondage and and these restraints and looking back at us and going man what an interesting experience they had but we're here in this very high frequency high vibrational state and you can, what do you think? I, I, sometimes I feel like I can feel that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, there's places on earth. We were talking about, about Mount Shasta, right? Yes. But you also have the pyramids. So many places on earth with our, which are charged just a little bit differently. And if you open, you can feel it, right? But like this morning, you know, I was uh, watching something in the Belgian newspaper about the Mars Explorer right now. So when I was a kid, I mean, it would be totally unthinkable that one day humans would be actually on Mars. Science fiction. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so so th that's the interesting thing. Everyday life now, on occasion, is filled with what was 20 years ago complete science fiction, right? Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing. The advancements that we've made, some people... In fact, previous guests would say that it's the integration of extraterrestrial technology mm -hmm. and the sharing that we're doing with them currently right now that has allowed us to make this quantum leap. But really, if it's not, it's, it's just our own growth, our own yearning to get to that higher place. We want progression because we want to get away from the horrors of humans past our human collective human past, the horrors of that we are, we want to progress towards a place where we're together. Even if it's not alien technology, even if we're not getting helped by angels and divine, it's just a, also just a human yearning for peace. Absolutely. For peace and for happiness, you know, that everybody's entitled to, because I think we collectively also suffer in the knowledge that for a lot of people, the planet really is not fun to live at in the moment. You know, if you don't have drinkable water, you know, I mean, parents are sending their children, you know, out to other places because the, the climate is no longer livable. So, so somewhere we know all that. It doesn't mean, you know, that we shouldn't be aspiring to our own happiness. But if we are connected to the potential for happiness of all the people on the planet, that in itself is such a, a wonderful prospect to have, you know, that we see humanity potentially marching forward in unity. And we can do it. There's no, there's no factual reason why we couldn't be all of us aspiring to that. Yes, it's, uh, it, you know, we have 
the energy of being together, that energy of, of uplifting the human race, it, it's its own battery. It, it, you can draw from that. It's a different energy pool. And we do have the potential to lift this earth up, but it is disheartening to know that there are people like Frank was just talking about that are having terrible experiences on earth. We would like the new earth to have a situation to be where no matter where you end up incarnating, whether it's China or South America, Belgium, America, Canada, you're going to have the best possible experience that you can have as a human. That's what really we're, we're going for because it's always in the back of our mind as spiritual people. Like Frank said, we do want to succeed. We want to live our lives. But in the back of our minds, we know that there are people truly suffering. And can you imagine or truly live in the experience where that frequency is lifted, where you know that everyone is okay? Can you think of how the, the, the energy tension release of the earth and the collective human experience would be if, when that happens? Oh, absolutely. And that's the beauty of, of certain spiritual gatherings, you know. And it doesn't really matter how big they are when everybody is tuned in to that particular frequency of love and compassion and unity, it is so, it's almost addictive, you know. <laughs> it really is because, because you know it's available and yet for most of us, it's falling into it, falling out of it, you know, nonstop. But even having a bit of a taste wants you to have more of it, not just for yourself, but, but for everyone. For everyone, exactly. Because it's not fun unless we're all there. Exactly. And then we, you know, we talked about, last time I talked to Frank, we talked about the Bodhisattva, and he talks about that in his book, where, you know, there are people that are allowed to go to the next dimension that are coming back to help us because they want everybody to get there. You know, maybe you're listening and you're a Bodhisattva. You could have graduated to another dimension. You came back to help us get there. Thank you for your help. Like, you know, let's do this. Let's do the work. Let's get there. Because at some point, the implication is of all these spiritual teachings is at some point it is going to happen, right? Yes, and actually that it is happening. Yeah, there's always a until, until it happens. And then, which implies that somewhere it happens, which is, oh, I can't, oh yes. <laughs> it's such an incredible feeling to know. I love your enthusiasm, Jake, because that's one of the ways. Yeah, that's how it also spreads, you know, when we ignite each other, right? Yes, it, yes. It's like, uh, you know, we're tuning into each other's frequency. We talk about energy and frequency constantly on the show. But, you know, we, and then you, we're sharing each other's frequency and then we're uplifting each other. And people talk about the 100th monkey, the 144,000 that people that if they raise their frequency, it'll pull everybody else up. It's possible. But really, it's just if you could do that in your own world, be your own Jesus, be the Jesus or Buddha of your life, your family, and raise everybody's frequency. If we all do that, then it, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong because we're going to be there. <laughs> exactly. And that's what every teacher tries to do, you know, to point out that there is no difference, you know, that everybody can make the decision to say, yes, as good as I can, I will contribute to the goodness to the well-being of everyone and of the planet. It's a decision, isn't it? It's a personal decision. It's, and it's a deep personal decision. But if you make it, it's the best decision you can possibly make because it changes the entire world. 
Yes, and you can make it again and again in the moment with whomever you're with, right? Yes, and if you make a mistake, it's okay because you can fix that and get back on and start getting back in the correct decision-making process because me and Frank were talking prior to the interview. One thing that the goal of this podcast is, one of the main goals of this podcast is to help people understand that the deep spirituality, the deep spiritual experience, divinity is accessible to everyone. No matter your flaws, no matter the mistakes you've made in your life, no matter your continual mistakes, whatever happens to you as a human being, you can still be on the spiritual path. We want to help people understand that it's not unattainable. You don't have to be a saint or a guru, though those people exist and potentially you could take that path, but you don't have to be that to be a spiritual person, to live with love and divinity and to integrate that into your daily life all the time. Exactly. And uh, so the central notion here is that the only moment that really exists is this moment, this very moment, which is in a way out of time. It's in sacred time. So, so no worries if we make mistakes, because in the now moment, we can always realign ourselves. No matter who we are, no matter what we have done, no matter what crisis surrounds us, we can still take the decision to be fully present in our heart at this very moment. And that makes it very simple also. And then the spirituality would just be living from moment to moment to somehow train yourself to continuously be in the now. And as you're existing from moment to moment, you're consciously keeping yourself in the love frequency, the love vibration. And then, then therefore, hopefully you're making great choices. Well, that's right. <laughs> because basically we are reminding ourselves of our divine origin and yes. divine presence, right? Yes, Definitely. And that's where the dialogues are great, you know, because when you, when, when you point to it, then all of a sudden it's, it's like, oh, here it is. It's not tomorrow. It's right here at this moment. Right now. Yeah. And it's everyone, including the person listening right now. You're listening. It's you too. That's the thing. It's the divinity, the complete divinity is within every single human. And you can access that. You can train yourself. You can access that. You can learn more and become that. Yes, it's a matter of awareness, isn't it? Awareness that this is what we truly are, beyond time and space. So you said uh, in your book then that the master key is to know and be who you are, which I thought was something really interesting. Yes, because in a way it takes the pressure off the linear time. We are what we are. Right. And so to be aware of that, I mean, it may sound like semantically, you know, what, what is this? No, this is very profound, you know, that what we truly, truly are is out of time and out of space in this very, very moment. So that's kind of the, not that we need to repeat this as a mantra, but the insight of that changes everything. Yes, if you can maintain that and hold your frequency in that place and make yourself come from that place. You're, you're on the path of development. That's for sure. But I want to talk to you more, Frank, about 
the channeled information you've received because you talk about the 13 masters in your book, but you've also talked about different beings that you've channeled that have given you information. You talked earlier about your first times, but you did develop your channeling skills over time. So did the messages become more clear as you channeled more? Not necessarily more clear, but more elaborate. Um, They became longer also. And of course, they often had a reference to something that was happening at that moment, either in, say, in a workshop situation, you know, what was going on for some people in the workshop, or some political situations that were going on, some catastrophe that took place. It's an intelligence that seems to be aware of what the people are tuned into at that very moment. And, and that's interesting, right? What, what is that? Right. What, what is that consciousness that seems to know whatever needs to be known at that moment? And so that became more apparent in the course of the, the channeled evolution, I would say. And then it become easier? Were you able to just kind of sink into that frequency? Yes, yes. Because I, I, there was a time, you know, that I needed to sit down for at least an hour before I was able to be very clear about that. But then when Zoom, I had to do it over Zoom, you know, then I still have to be techno- technologically present. And then another <laughs> part would be open, you know, to the, to the messages. So in that sense, there has been a, a big shift. Wow. So you do get, I don't want to say, I guess better, but you, you, you strengthen your talents when you use them more. I think so. Yes. There is more, Frank gets more easily out of the way. Frank would be (laughs) concerned, you know, oh my God, if nothing comes through today, then what, you know, all these kind of thoughts that Frank has. (laughs) So, so they would subside much more easily than in the beginning. Oh, wow. And then has it ever scared you? I mean, do you ever, have you ever felt like you were possessed in a way, not in a bad way, but to where you felt like it was too much uh, integration of another consciousness? No, not really. The one thing, on occasion, I would be, say, a bit vulnerable after a session. So if if I would be surrounded by a lot of noise or people would immediately drop into a different frequency of, say, gossiping or whatever, you know, that the, um, it took me a while to be able to hold the change in frequencies. Ah, okay. You were sensitive afterwards. Super sensitive. Yeah, super sensitive. But then you eventually figured out how to build up those. Exactly. It's almost like a muscle that's being built, you know? Right. Easily going back and forth. Right. And then then this is something also that is available, it seems like, to humans that are open to it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like really it's not potentially special people based on their previous lives. Who knows? But it seems like if you have the awareness and the open mind to approach these things, then then it's going to come to you no matter what. Oh, yes. And I think many, many, many people, you know, are now open to receiving very clear insights, messages from what we could, we could call their inner teacher. Yes. The first time it happens, it's like, who is that? Well, actually, it's a very deep part of you that has always been there, but we were not paying any attention to it. 
yeah, I love my inner teacher. You know, I don't listen to my inner teacher as much as I should. And then I usually find myself in a place that I don't want to be. Right. That's right. That, <laughs> we all go through that. <laughs> but the call, the inner teacher is also very patient, right? He, ah. he or she, whatever you want to call it, you know, will call you whenever you're ready to hear or to feel, right? They'd never give up. But is that what psychologists would call the subconscious mind with like a serious, in a serious sense, a sub mind that's your mind, but it's a higher mind because it's connected to the infinite though. They call it a subconscious is truly a higher mind. I think that's, that's great the way you just, you could call it also like maybe the most evolved part of our mind, not the monkey mind that's always questioning oneself or has doubts about how worthy we are and all of that. Um, it's the mind that can be used to function when functioning is needed on a very high level. Right. And in emergency situations, you would say you switch over to that mind. Yes, uh, many people do. They know exactly what to do in an emergency situation. They don't have to think about it. They know what to do. And that mind, of course, is tapped into the infinite mind, the Akashic records, all the information that's there. That's how they're able to do something like that. That's mind-blowing. It, well, it is mind-blowing. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is. Because, you know, obviously, it's part of the human potential. Otherwise, people wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Yeah. And it's showing us that human evolution, the next stages of human evolution, includes those things as part of our normal experience. Exactly. Exactly. Step by step. Wow. But tell me, Frank, what are some of the other messages and information you've received from these channeled beings? You talked about how you know, we're going to this new earth and some of the changes that are happening. But are there any other more focused messages that you could share with us? Well, a lot of the messages are about embodying this. So not just as information, information, but something that becomes part of the daily lived reality. You know, in terms of the chakras being opened step by step, um, having one's feet on the ground, not just in the stars, so that everything has its place. Ordinary life has its place. Uh, a bit in the, in the Zen sense, you know, that ordinary moments can be absolutely delicious. It's not that we have to expect to walk on water or, or, or to see light beings. I mean, if you see them, of course, obviously, that can be a life-changing uh, perception. But sometimes it's as simple as seeing the love in the other person in front of you even in the midst of an adverse relationship, that you can still hold the field of love. Because you're aware of that dimension and it's with you. That's right. That's right. <gasps> that's then, right. And then some of the things you were saying was almost like proverbs or, or, or some like really good, strong life advice. Yes, yes. And, and, and so sometimes, you know, it would be in the realm of beauty, right? Sometimes it would be in the realm of truth, Sometimes it would be in the realm of hope because humans need to always remain hopeful no matter what, right? We have a short attention span. Yeah, right. right. 
<laughs> yes, we have to because, you know, faith over fear. You have to maintain that faith frequency. People talk about love is the answer. Yes, of course, but also faith because when you have that faith, you're, you, you trust in something that's beyond you that's truly divine. That's right. So this is a huge step for many people, you know, to trust that there is something very benevolent in the whole universe, which makes sense, you know. If the universe were malevolent, it wouldn't hold together at all, right? We wouldn't be even having a fun experience, not even. There wouldn't be anything fun. It'd be terrible. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so there are harmonic laws, you know, and those laws support us. So we, when we are tuned in to the universal cosmic laws, our own lives, even when there are challenges, will still be based on peace, on harmony, on resilience, on truth. And, and that's, that's wonderful, you know, to realize that that's the case. Not just for me, but for every, every being. And this is some of the things that they talk about in the channeling. They sure. give you information related to these universal laws. Yes, it's kind of a constant reminder that that is the case. Yes. And, we, you know, it's, again, a part of the human experience that we are still shedding survival instincts. We're still shedding cellular memories of, of being cold in the winter, of being too hot in certain areas in the summer, and having to rely on the environment in a way that was very primitive you would say by today's standards but now we have all these beautiful things given to us by inspiration to take us out of that so now we can let go of those frequencies that are holding us back that are keeping us from developing and that's part of and that's where faith comes into play yes faith and also the willingness to look at fear-based conditionings and to step through that step beyond that again and again when we think, well, I, I as Frank or I as Jake couldn't possibly do that. Well, you don't do it as Frank. You do it as the human potential that is geared, that is made to take the next step. There is always a next step for humanity. Evolution never, ever stops. It's true. And we talk about also that it's possible that ho those higher dimensions are also evolving. And a lot of people, spiritual people especially, think that these astral dimensions are almost like fixed positions. Like there's no growth. It's almost like a state. But it's not that way. It's quite possible that, again, as above, so below. As we evolve, those higher dimensions, the angels are evolving. Potentially even, I don't know how this is possible, but maybe even God is evolving in its own way. Or just, I'm not sure because it's the infiniteness, if that's possible, but at least on this, below that, beyond just the Godhead, below that, you would say there could be evolution in every other place. Yeah, I, I think that we have a deep intuition that that's the case. You know, the, the, the cosmos is not static, is not mechanical. I mean, that would not be an interesting form of creativity. No. Yeah. Some people feel like this is, this is only where the creativity takes place, like this dimension. 
Yeah, I think that's very anthropocentric, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. But, you know, it's even spiritual people because they get this understanding that the divine is a state, a field. The angels are a a state, you know, it's just this energy, not necessarily something that could accept a growth. Yeah, somehow I feel that just, I mean, I, I... of course, you know, everybody has their own perspectives. Sure, sure. Yeah, but I think when you, when you feel into it, it has to be alive and creative and changing and looking for for the common good, you know. There are some human principles, maybe they're humanistic principles, you know, where the common good is is a very important thing. You can't just try to grab something from the universe just for yourself and think that that's going to benefit you. It will benefit you much, much more if it also benefits the common good or if you have your respect for the earth, respect for the universe, respect for all forms of intelligence. Yes, it's definitely a a different, different experience. Yeah, yeah. I think we know. I think we just know when we have something that has the divine fully evolving in it. Which is, again, uh, you know, my mind's blown. When I talk to Frank in this beautiful Living Light Center, my mind is blown. I'm sure yours is too. This is all mind-blowing to think that there's just that level of change, that the angels in that dimension, the Pleiadians, all these different life forms that are out there in the various multidimensional realities are also growing and changing and yet at the very top there's this what some people would call the godhead that's just completely at rest that it's all coming from it's it's really interesting but what do you think about the post-life experience after you die is it a full body experience after you leave this earth you had a near-death experience at four but would you say after you die you retain everything based on what you've learned it's it's like you're stepping out of one shell and into another well i don't know of course you know nobody really knows for sure but i think that we, consciousness takes on many different forms and a very strong case can be made for past life experiences right but whether we come back as a personality I doubt very much. It, it seems to make sense that we are here to have many experiences and that we learn something from it. Like when you look at, at certain kids, you can tell, oh, this is an, this is an old kid, right? It comes in with a yeah, lot old of, soul. An old soul, right. I mean, that's a very common observation, isn't it? That some are very young, new. And then, and then you have the ones like Mother Mira, who she seems to be from a very different dimension and is coming to help here, but has been given a certain task that that's not, say, my task, right? And, and so to figure out what our limitations are, but also what our great gifts are, and to not be surprised that new gifts announce themselves as we mature in life. Yes. Wow. That's really powerful to think about. 
psychic gifts, spiritual gifts, the ability to manifest mm -hmm. things. That's part of the new human experience. Mm -hmm. As we join the galactic family, is that what you think is coming? Where there's the infinite lives out there as we evolve, once we get to the new earth, then we're there, then we're out being emissaries of love and light in the universe? That would be great. I mean, why not? Why? <laughs> I mean, really, I think it's better to have a vision like that than to limit our visions, you know? And and when you say galactic family, I mean, what a great notion, Yeah, you know, that we are not limited to this planet. No, right? and, they, and they may not even be humanoid, but they have spirits, consciousness, and souls. Right, exactly. And then the light, they're light beings, they're light beings in a different body. It may seem strange to us because they, their physical body evolved on a different planet, but... But yet the commonality is there. The light within them is the same light. And I think that they know that. That's why they have the higher technology. Have you noticed the uptick in talk about UFOs in mainstream culture? Uh, President Barack Obama recently disclosed that aliens existed in his mind based on his information. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I think it's been known for a long, long time. You know, I... There is very few people that I know who have not had at least one or more experiences with that, you know, and not necessarily uh, on, on hearsay, but in their own personal experience. You know, I remember right. sitting, sitting with friends, you know, our dear friends in Belgium prior to a workshop, um, and all of a sudden, the four of us at the same moment, and it was brief, but we had a perception of a change in a light vehicle in the sky that could not be explained in any other way except this is different technology. And, and of oh. course, you know, you could say it's military, but there is, a, again, a so deep intuition when it's human activity or it seems this is not non-human activity. Right, because you could feel it. I mean, on Yeah, you could feel level. it. Or crop circles, you know. There are certain crop circles when you sit in them. I mean, it's it's like having an immediate, very, very, very deep meditation, like instantaneous. Yeah, I felt that at uh, the vortexes in Sedona, Arizona. Yes, yes, that's one of those places, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, when, wow. Yeah. So they're letting us know that this is out there, and I think that there's also an intuitive understanding, or at least I feel this way, that you don't get access to those higher levels of technology through inspiration until you're spiritually developed, like where you can travel across galaxies and go outside of space and time in order to travel that fast. It seems to me that it would imply that you're, the beings were also incredibly spiritually developed and not malevolent in any way. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that other dimensions probably are constantly seeking some kind of a contact that is not frightening for humans, you know? Because it could be it could be potentially, of course, very frightening to meet up with something that <clears throat> we have absolutely no knowing what it is. <laughs> yeah, and because of the popular culture, which has a lot of malevolent stuff in it, you know? Right, it has programmed us to see potential fear in these extraterrestrials. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. So it could be scary, but uh, 
but it seems like we're we're allowing it in. There's soccer moms, you know, at my child's school that are talking about UFOs. Oh, absolutely. Because they love Barack Obama and because he said it, it's now allowed into their consciousness. Yes, that's right. Every so often, you know, there is yet another level where humanity at large is being exposed to this in a way that that's <laughs> yeah which is good because it 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 has to almost be like that otherwise people would panic right yeah they would like you said they they're afraid of the unknown and because of the just sheer difference in physical appearance and maybe even frequency energy what you're feeling might be so different that it probably could freak people out the late stephen hawking's yes. felt like that if extraterrestrials did show up, that they would almost be like Cortez and the Mayans and, and decimate us and take all the resources. And, and because history, at least human history, has proven that superior technological forces usually dominate inferior technological forces. I don't agree with that because it doesn't integrate the spiritual component, but it is an interesting thought. Right. I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was to, a little afraid. He was a little afraid. Well, I think, you know, that our vision is probably also a reflection of where fear is still part of our own system. You know? Right. Yeah. Because when I look at the beings like Ramana, you know, or, or Yoshka for that matter, Omadamira, they, they have no fear about any of that, really. They're more focused, you know, what, what is my task at this moment here? How can I contribute? And I think all of our actions should be geared towards not engendering more fear. You know? Yes. And um, just being here, doing the work where you're at. Like you're saying, these guru figures, these spiritual teachers haven't really focused on that. And they're incredibly valid and uh, authentic. So if they're not focusing on that, then that means it's probably not that big of a deal. And we need to just make this place, make Earth the best place it could possibly be. Yeah, exactly. Because the potential that we have as human beings is still largely untapped. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the great, you know, amazing uh, chance of a lifetime all of us have we, we are coming to realize that this is at, at our fingertips. And I mean, in a very mundane sense, you know, if you go on the internet, you can find so many documents of really amazing human spiritual beings. And when I grew up, it was very hard to have access to any of that. Yeah, all the mystery school information is available on the internet. It's right there. It's right there. <laughs> Which is, we talk about that actually on the show. It's, it's just, we live in this time that we can do that. You can get all the information instantly. And I think that that's what all these spiritual teachers throughout history are telling us. They've all come here to say, we're here to help and you guys need to evolve and here's some information. It seems like that that's the common theme throughout history, throughout cultures, is that we're at a certain stage of development and you can we can get to a way higher place if we follow these instructions that have come through ascended masters teachers spiritual people people like frank everyone 
And if you if we if we, if we integrate that, we can get to the the new earth that we've been talking about. Yeah, that's right, Jake. And and you know, and to also realize that the way we are today, whoever is listening, is absolutely perfect for what the task and the invitation is towards you. Right. We're not on a in a timeline of of death, destruction, and dystopia. That's not the divine experience. So if you're thinking that that could be a potential, get rid of that. It's just holding you back and just focus on making this place the best possible place it can be. Beautiful. Well, Frank, we've had an incredible conversation. We can talk for another 14 hours if we really wanted to, but I know that we both have to get to our lives. We have so much work to do. We're humans doing work, but I really appreciate you being on the show. I do want to tell people where to find you. You can start at the living light center.com. And that's where you will learn about Frank. And of course he teaches at the East West center and they have courses at owc.be. And you go there and you can actually take online courses with Frank Copeters. It's, it's, do this if you can do this because there is shamanic training. There's training in evolutionary consciousness, Reiki, which he talked about way back in episode two of Midnight on Earth. And you can learn about those things directly from Frank. It doesn't matter where you are, any time zone, all around the world. It's online. That's the miracle of technology. Thank you. Thank you. Great God, mystery, whatever you are. He has books that are available on Amazon. Uh, handbook for the evolving heart. And uh, we talked about his most recent book, unity in everything that is enlightened warriorship under the guidance of 13 masters. And if you want to check out Frank's podcast, which is incredible, he does meditations and he also does classes and lectures. He did a great discussion on Joseph Campbell recently. You can check that out. It's called the Frank co-peters podcast i'm going to spell that for you c-o-p-p-i-e-t-e-r-s that's his last name frank co-peters podcast you can find that at frank co-peters.podbean.com i highly recommend checking that out and frank thank you so much for being with us i really appreciate this is there anything you want to leave the audience with before you leave America and you leave the Living Light Center, is there anything you want to leave our audience with before we go? Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) That's the best possible advice I could possibly give. Thank you for listening, everyone. Don't forget to check out Blue Cobra CBD, bluecobracbd.com. We'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth. Thank you, Jake. Thank you.